but if you're here for uh, an overview of community health evangelism or CHE, you're in the right place. Otherwise, you might want to stay anyway, because this is the most exciting <laughs> seminar workshop going on right now. <laughs> I'm Terry Dalrymple. Uh, I coordinate a network of about 280 ministries in 93 countries that are using the strategy of community health evangelism. How many of you have heard about CHE somewhere? All right. Anybody here been through training? A couple of you. All right. This is going to be an overview for you, so uh, I'm, not, I, I'm not sure how much we're going to help you, but maybe I can call on you to bring in some input, huh? CHE is an integrated approach to ministry, to community-based development, Christian community-based development, uh, empowering communities to escape poverty, and bringing people to faith in Christ. Why do we need uh, an approach like this? There are over one billion people who do not have access to safe, clean drinking water. Ten million children die each year before the age of five, most from preventable diseases. Anybody here interested in West Africa? Yeah, you know, uh, infant mortality rates have dropped in the last 20 years around the world, but not in West Africa. Uh, there are some places, uh, Sierra Leone, I think, one in four children die before the age of five. Uh, in Liberia, it's, it's one in five. And most are dying from preventable diseases, uh, things that can be uh, prevented through simple things like water, hygiene, sanitation, uh, nutrition, immunization. And so there's a need. Whole communities are trapped in cycles of poverty and disease. Almost two-thirds of the world's population is walking in spiritual darkness without the light of Christ, and as Christ's disciples, we're called to love and action. And community health evangelism is a mission strategy aimed at meeting the whole need of individuals and communities. Uh, we are responding to this. Can I just say something about community health and the church? I went into Papua New Guinea in uh, 2001 and met with the Department of Health. The guy who was responsible for the community health initiatives for the next decade, uh, which was the first priority, the, the highest priority of the Department of Health at that time, said to me, there's only one institution in this country with the capacity to mobilize enough people to do what needs to be done in the area of community health, and that's the church. I need someone to mobilize the church. There's a tremendous need out there, and the church can respond. It's not difficult things that we're talking about. It's about sanitizing drinking water and building pit latrines and teaching children to wash their hands using tippy taps and, you know, simple things that, that a church can do. And I think if the church around the world wants to engage with their communities in meaningful ways, and become the salt and the light that God intended them to be, this is an enormous opportunity. 
Let me say something else. When I talk about health, I'm thinking in much broader terms than maybe you're thinking. If somebody needs to be, uh, if, 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 if somebody is malnourished, they need food. And where do we get food? From agriculture. And, you know, if I need shelter, then I need enterprise and business. Um, if I have social addictions, um, if I have uh, uh, addictions to drugs or alcohol, or you can give me money and I'm going to squander it. And so the whole concept of uh, health is much bigger than just um, the medical way we look at it. Right? And when we're talking about a CHE program, we're talking about going into the community and working in a multi-sectoral way to lift that community out of cycles of poverty and disease. And that means we're going to get involved in agriculture. And that means we're going to get involved in microenterprise and all kinds of other things. What we do in CHE is we train you in community organization and mobilization. So when you or the people that you're training go into a community, they know how to help the community analyze its own problems, identify resources, put together a plan, uh, execute that plan, evaluate it, and repeat the cycle so that they are empowered uh, to use local resources to work against their own problems. They are leading their own initiatives and their own development process. It's not uh, us on the outside assessing needs, blueprinting a plan, raising money, and then delivering a service. Delivering services doesn't lift anybody out of poverty. In order to be lifted out of poverty, we need human development. People need new capacities. Uh, they need to be able to think differently. And sometimes when we go in and deliver services, we're actually reinforcing their mindset. There's nothing I can do for myself. And we continue to make them passive recipients of aid rather than active participants in a development process. So what we're looking at when we look at CHE is an integrated strategy where people in the community take initiative uh, to, to lift their own communities out of cycles of poverty and disease. And the whole training program is integrated with evangelism and discipleship. Uh, let me tell you what a program looks like when it's mature. When it's mature, uh, there will be health workers who are going into every home working with the families. They teach about clean water and help the family sanitize their drinking water. They teach about uh, nutrition and they help the family dig kitchen gardens. They teach about immunization and they help get the, uh, the children immunized. And they open the scriptures and they share the word of God. People come to Christ and those same health workers form discipleship groups and bring those discipleship groups together to build an existing church, strengthen an existing church, to plant a new church, to start a church planning movement. It can be a house church, a cell church. You take it from there. But uh, that, that's how it works. Those health workers are being supervised by a 
a, a development committee that has been elected by the community and trained by the outsider who has come in in project management. They're trained to identify resources. They're, they're trained to break down and analyze needs and problems, put together plans, mobilize people, execute those plans, evaluate and repeat that cycle. So that the development committee is working on projects for the community. It might be fish ponds or it might be microenterprise development or it might be roads or it might be schools. It might be a small pharmacy, something like that. Um, but uh, that, that's, that's kind of the picture of what it looks like when it's mature. Chase seamlessly integrates evangelism, discipleship, and church planting with community health and development. The ministry is holistic, seeking to obey everything that Jesus commanded and addressing the whole need of individuals and communities. I think our structures, our mission structures sometimes, are dichotomized. We have, um, when I went out to the field, we had church planters and we had support personnel, right? Or we have a, a development, uh, we have a development office and we have uh, a, a church planting and evangelism office. Um, but as individuals, we are not called to choose which command is most important. Or which of Jesus' commands we're going to obey? Am I going to obey the command to proclaim the forgiveness of sins? Or am I going to obey the command to love my neighbor? The answer is, I'm going to do both. The question is not which is most important. The question is, how do I do both? And so what we try to do in CHE, Community Health Evangelism, and you can tell by the name, right? <laughs> is to integrate those things to bring social action and evangelism, which are sometimes separated in our minds and in our organizations together into a holistic and integrated ministry that reaches the whole person and the whole community. The purpose of community health evangelism is not just breaking poverty or planting churches, though both are accomplished through CHE. The purpose is a transformation in lives and communities that is as deep as the human heart and as broad as the whole range of the human experience in the world God made. Jesus is recognized as Lord over all creation, and our development activities reflect the depth and breadth of the kingdom of God. God is at work and in and through us to transform beliefs and change behavior so that his peace, justice, compassion, and righteousness are reflected in the life of the communities we serve. That's really what we want to see. I want to take you to India. Uh, this is uh, the portal through which I came into India. Uh, but I want to take you up north to a place called Darjeeling, in the mountains of the Himalayas, uh, the foothills of the Himalayas. I want you to meet a man named David Rye. Uh, David says that he had spent 10 years in fruitless preaching and then learned about Che. He said, I learned how Jesus approached people. I learned to approach people at the point of their need. And since that time, the Lord has added to our number day by day. Um, these are some of the results that we've seen. Uh, there was only one Christian family when David came to the village. Now more than 1,200 
have been baptized, five churches planted in the area, two preaching, two preaching points, and a whole village was converted. And the name of the village was changed to Bethany. Now, what do you know about Bethany? In the Bible. That's where Lazarus was raised from the dead. Let me tell you about this community. When, when David came to this community, they had been burned out twice by Maoist rebels. They had nothing. In fact, they were so destitute that the men and the women were huddled together at night, sleeping in, in groups to keep warm because they didn't have adequate clothing. And so David came. If there was ever a time for relief, uh, that might have been it. But David didn't have any resources to bring except his Bible and himself. So he went and he sat with the people and he opened the scriptures and he encouraged them and he began to, uh, to think about how can we rebuild. And one of the things that he did was he introduced growing squash as a uh, cash crop on trellises, on bamboo that they used to use to build their houses. And so now if you go to this valley, it's, 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 it's a valley with tall mountains surrounding it. And everywhere you look, you see these trellises uh, with, with squash growing. It's like spider webs all over the mountainside there. But I want you to look at the homes that they're living in. They not only recovered and uh, rebuilt their homes with temporary materials, but now their homes are built with permanent materials. And the quality of life has been restored and improved for them as they work together. Um, I was there on a day when they had a baptism. Um, David told me on this day that all but one family in this village had been baptized into the church, and they were waiting for the last family. That was October. In December, I got a letter from David. The last family has been baptized into the church. The whole village came to Christ, and they changed their name to Bethany. You'll see a girl, um, if you go to our website, chaynetwork.org, you'll see this girl uh, there. She is kind of our Che girl. Just to let you know why she's our Che girl, she is from Bethany. And her life has been changed by the work of Che there. We had an evaluation of, of a, uh, our programs done in a couple of places. It takes a lot of money to have an external evaluation done. And most of the time, we can run our programs around the world for $5,000 to $15,000 a year, reaching multiple communities, and we don't have large budgets for evaluation. So we assume that if we do things according to World Health Organization standards, if we uh, execute those interventions that we know from other studies will have the kind of result that we want, then we can feel good if, if we're getting those things done, that there's going to be impact. Uh, but we've, we've had a few impact studies done. Dr. Sam uh, Voris, after looking at our work in the Congo, uh, which at that time I think was about 113 villages, uh, in the last five years it's multiplied to more than 500 villages. Uh, without increasing the budget. <laughs> These are volunteers that are taking it from village to village. In fact, in the Congo, uh, there was a time when we had to come out um, because of war, 
And uh, it, during that time, we didn't know what was going on in the Congo. When we left the Congo, there were 54 villages involved with Che. When we came back in, there were 113. <laughs> and, that's when, and that's when they did this evaluation. Um, and, and now it has grown to, I think the latest is 540 uh, villages in this area. But this is what Dr. Voris from Vision, World Vision said after completing the evaluation. He said, in over 20 years of two-thirds of world ministry, having evaluated dozens of holistic programs in numerous countries, I have not seen anywhere such dramatic impact for such little cost. The CHE program effectively bridges the various interventions of meeting basic needs with a holistic gospel presentation, resulting in the transformation of the believer evidenced by behavioral change. In another place, we had an external evaluation done of our programs in uh, a couple of places in the Philippines. They went to a nursing school and they hired nurses to go into our CHE communities and interview families at random. We had no control over who was interviewed. They went where they wanted to. Uh, when they came back to us, this was the summary uh, from the external evaluator of what they found. They said that in Antique, 88% of the people they interviewed said they had prayed to receive Christ during a Che worker's visit. In Surigao, it was 67%. In Antique, 58% said they started going to church more frequently after uh, participating in the CHE program. In Surigao, it was 67%. In Antique, 95% said, I enjoy Bible studies with my CHE worker. In Surigao, it was 65%. We now pray at home before meals. In Antique, it was 90%. In Surigao, it was 67%. We have family devotions at home. In Antique, it was 96%. In Surigao, it was 66%. We support the church we attend with our finances. In Antique, it was 97%. In Surigao, it was 67%. Um, th these numbers astounded us. <laughs> They're almost, almost unbelievable. If it had been our own people doing the evaluation, I would have said, go do it again. <laughs> right? but we didn't have the, the $30,000 to send the external evaluators back to do it again. Uh, but I, I think what this shows is that something very significant was happening in these communities as a result of the CHE program. And I can tell you some stories, give you anecdotal stories from around the world of communities that have truly been lifted out of cycles of poverty and, di and disease while people have come to faith in Christ. What are the outcomes of CHE work? Um, and they're not going to be what you expect. I'll tell you that now. But this is what we consistently see in uh, mature CHE programs around the world. One, there is shared vision. The community sees a better future and has hope that it can be achieved. That is so important. Because people... Um, people around the world are trapped in a mindset of poverty 
And unless you can change their mindset and help them to see that they are not victims of circumstance, but they are stewards of resources. They are people made in the image of God who are stewards of resources. And until you can focus them on the resources that they have and and give them a vision of what they can do to build a better future, you're never going to begin that march toward any kind of development, sustainable development. And I think that development needs to be more than sustainable. It also needs to be multipliable. And I wish I had time to talk about that. But one of the reasons for focusing on local resources is so that you don't build prototypes that can't be uh, duplicated without outside resource. What you, what you want to leave in a community is something that they can do and they can teach to their neighbor and their neighbor can do and they can teach to their neighbor and their neighbor can do. And in that way, the cure runs faster than the disease. The next thing we see is leadership. Che, really, another way of looking at Che is it is a process of leadership development. Do we sit people down in a classroom and teach them lectures, using lectures on leadership, and teach them to be good leaders? No. We, uh, we, we train leaders in, in, in on-the-job training. Uh, we teach them something, they implement it, they do it. They share it with their neighbor. Uh, but, but in the process of... Um, of exploring and discovering together and doing. Leaders emerge. We have Che's in some places that have been elected to political office. We lost them as Che's. <laughs> but all through the process, we are developing leadership. We're developing leaders when we train the committee and build capacity for them in project management. We're, we're training leaders when we develop the chase and send them into the, train the chase and send them into the homes to work with families. We're developing leadership when we train trainers who are going into the community and working with the communities. We develop leadership when we train facilitators who are training multiple teams and coaching and mentoring those trainers that are actually doing the work in the community. So all through the system, we're doing uh, leadership development. And what emerges as a result is godly Christian leaders who are positioned and equipped to lead the community toward the accomplishment of its vision. Another outcome is ownership. People are taking responsibility for their own health and well-being. I think that should be hyphenated or something. Spelling was not my forte. Um, But ownership. People are taking responsibility for their own health and well-being. Another outcome is cooperation. People are united and working together for the common good. You know where most of the answers to the problems that are faced in poor villages resides. There's a little bit of it in this person, a little bit of it in that person, a little bit of it in that person. And when you get them together as a group and they can cooperate and work together, new things emerge. Things that begin begin to happen that don't happen in other ways. And that's one of the outcomes of a CHE process. Another outcome is volunteers. Significant numbers of people are taking initiative and acting sacrificially to meet the legitimate needs of others. Everywhere I go when I start talking about CHE, one of the first objections is, um, 
one of the first objections is they don't have any resources. And I will point to uh, I will point out to them very quickly that you have the wrong view of poverty, and you're looking at what they lack instead of what they have. And if you were to look at their resources, you would see that they do have resources that can be used to solve their own problems. They are not victims of circumstance. And we need to let go of our God complexes. I'm getting a little angry at this point. But, okay. but another thing they'll tell me is you can't mobilize volunteers. Those people are out there struggling to survive. They don't have time to volunteer. And I'll just tell you, we've mobilized more than 40,000 volunteers around the world. And so I think it can be done. <laughs> Dignity. People have recovered their identity as made in the image of God and their vocation as stewards of creation. Instead of being controlled or victimized by their environment, they are stewards of it. And that begins with how they see themselves. They see themselves differently. Another outcome is learning, skill, and resources. People are equipped to identify needs and resources, put together a plan, and mobilize volunteers to accomplish their vision. People are continually reflecting on what is happening in order to learn how to be more effective. And what we do in CHE we train you in community organization and mobilization. You're going to go into the community without an agenda. You're going to sit with them and do PLA activities and other kinds of things that will help them uh, prioritize what are the needs that we need to work on here in the community. And when they choose and they decide we want to work on this particular problem, then you as a trainer need to be able to come and train to that particular issue. And so what we've done over the last 25 years is tried to collect best practices for community-based development and community health um, and, and put that material into simple lesson plans that can be taught in the community so that you as a trainer have information that you can use uh, lesson plans that you can use to work with the community in a participatory way on almost any topic. Agriculture, animal husbandry, microenterprise development, health promotion, disease prevention, uh, women's issues, HIV, AIDS, Bible storying, mental health. Um, so on a disc that we give to you when you complete our training, you have about 9,000 documents and somewhere in the range of 3,500 lesson plans. You'll never use them all. And it's not designed for you to start with number one and go all the way through. <laughs> what it's designed for is when they identify a need, you have something, a tool then, that you can begin to use to build capacity for them, to train them so that they can do what they want to do. And that's how the system works. The other thing that we do with the network, if you get trained, uh, you'll not only receive these resources, but we will connect you with other people if they're there in your country or area who are already doing CHE. So you become part of a working group. 
You don't have to reinvent the wheel. You don't have to start over on translation of materials and adapt everything to your specific context, hopefully by uh, networking that way. And that's what the Global Chain Network is all about. It's about... Um, and then another thing that happens is there's, Christ, there's a Christian community that comes together and there is witness. Believers are meeting together for fellowship, prayer, Bible study, and worship and are sharing Christ with their neighbors in word and deed. I remember visiting a medical doctor on a number of occasions, and every time I visited her, she would say to me, Terry, I'm doing che, but I'm not a church planter. I am not planting a church. I said, that's okay. You're a doctor. Just do che. <laughs> People will come to Christ. She planted five or six churches. <laughs> All the time saying, I'm not planting a church. <laughs> I am not a church planter. But when people come to Christ and they come together and they start praying together and worshiping together, what do you do? No. It's got to go somewhere. Hmm. So the impact of Che work. Once the above outcomes are achieved, we begin to see the impact of our work. Churches are established and strengthened. Health improves. Infant mortality decreases. Agriculture becomes more productive. Jobs are created. Water systems, roads, schools, clinics are built by the people themselves with local resources. Um, peace, justice, compassion, and righteousness are witnessed in the community, and God is glorified. And all of this is achieved at the initiative of the people. So it is impossible, and that's something that's, that makes it difficult for us to fund CHA programs. You know, the big donors, what do, they like, what do they like to fund? Well, they want you to have uh, the problem analyzed and have a blueprint about how you're going to solve it, and, and they want to pay you to deliver a service. Right? I've seen so many delivered services around the world. I went into Laos, um, and I'm in this village. I have three people with me, two or three people with me. Uh, we come into this village, and there's a hand pump that's been put in by USAID, and the handle is broken. And so I sit down with the community and I say, how, how long has it been broken? Oh, six weeks. Um, where are you getting your water? Over there. And they pointed to the pond. You could see the microbes floating in it, you know. And we talked further. Oh, that's where, you know, our fathers drank that water and their fathers drank that water, and, uh, and it's okay. I, why haven't you fixed this? It's not ours. It took our team five minutes without tools to fix the well. Now, what's wrong with the story? <laughs> the people were not involved analyzing the problem, understanding the causes, knowing why they needed to do uh, this kind of thing, and making the plans and carrying it out themselves, and the whole thing belonged to somebody else. <laughs> So with Che, what happens is the initiatives belong to the people. But it becomes impossible then for me to tell you I'm going to pay 100 wells. You know, because maybe when I go to those communities, 100 wells is not what they want. We're following their lead, right? We do education and we help them, you know, think about things that they haven't thought about before. Um, but the process is different. And the outcomes we're looking for um, are different as well. We know the impact will be there, and we can prove that. Let's see if 
if I can get this to advance. There we go. Che is implemented in a series of steps. The first step is casting vision. The second step is equipping the Che team. The third step is community awareness and organization. The fourth step is training and mobilizing volunteers. The fifth step is capacity building and church planting. And the sixth step is multiplication. Let me just walk through those one at a time. Those of you who are sitting here, if you were trained with us, would likely, most of you, some of you are from, uh, are nationals from other places. But most of you here are North Americans. Um, and you would probably want to take a back seat and a coaching and mentoring role to nationals who are actually doing the work in the community. You know why? That's the best role for an expat. When I... Um, here, I'm going to hold this thing. I'm, I, I'm in a village and I'm holding a problem. All right? And Jim comes to me. Come on up here, Jim. All right? Jim comes to me from the outside, uh, and, and he's going to help me. And I've been holding this problem and looking at this problem, and I look into his eyes, and I think, he came here on an airplane. He drove in here in a car. He's got all kinds of resources that I don't have. Now, what just happened in that exchange? Huh? Now it's my problem. Now it's your problem. Okay. <laughs> So whose resources are going to be used? Yours. Whose energy? Yours. Who's going to get blamed if it fails? You're making me tired. Or when the or when the money runs out, right? Here, here, here. Now, and and who's going to grow in the process? He will. What happens to me? You've effectively reinforced my dependencies, right? And the truth is. The minute your white face shows up, expectations rise. Sometimes the best thing I have done as a Che trainer is stay out of the villages that I'm sending trainers into. Because just showing up there creates expectations. So what do you do behind the scenes? Well, uh, we have around the world coordinators who are people who train across denominational lines, whoever's out there who wants to do Che. They, they, they train them to do it, um, and then they serve as mentors or coaches to the training teams in the process and help them succeed. Well, a, a coordinator can enter into a region or an area um, and gather leaders Christian leaders who are decision makers and do what we call a vision seminar. <laughs> what I did in uh, uh, Southeast Asia, we went from 22 programs in one country to more than 400 programs in 10 countries over a period of five years. And, um, and I did that as a coordinator by going into a country, doing a vision seminar for pastors and leaders, coming out and waiting for an invitation to come back. And what you're looking for when you do those vision seminars are not uh, to, to change everybody's mind and make them all want what you're delivering. It's to find those people who already have this burden and this passion in their heart and to come alongside of them and say, here's some tools. 
that we can use to help accomplish this and begin to work together in that way. And so the, the first step in the process of entering a country or an area is to do those kinds of vision seminars. And then you come back and equip the team. If there's a church leader that says, I want to do CHE, then I say to the church leader, you find four people that I can train as trainers who will work in multiple communities. And this is likely to be a full-time job, so they need some way of supporting themselves as they do this work. But if you get those people, I'll come back and train them. The other thing I want you to do, though, is I want you to bring together 26 other people. I want 30 people in the room when I come back that will go through the training. Even if your four are the only ones who are going to implement, I want to train 26 others. Why? Because I'm casting vision. And there's going to be others then in that circle who say, hey, um, can you come help me do this? And then we follow them and we do, uh, you know, we, can, we continue to work the bridges of God that way and expand the ministry. Um, it's not impossible that you could have a ministry like that. Yeah. I understand the importance of not creating dependency mm-hmm. and kind of taking a back seat. How would a healthcare provider do that? Because you are providing a service. Yeah, I had a discussion last night uh, uh, for a couple of hours about that very issue, you know, uh, because um, as healthcare providers, we sometimes do the same thing. We look at their need and not their resources, and we're looking we're looking to meet the medical need rather than to empower uh, or build capacity for the existing medical system that's in place. Um, As a medical provider, um, we have a lot of doctors who have worked for a long time out there in the field who came to the conclusion, my clinic is a recycling center. People come to me, I treat them, they go back and drink the same water that made them sick, and then they come back and I'm treating the same people for the same problems. 80% of the disease burden is preventable. Um, and they've just walked out of their clinics and said, i got to educate the mothers. <laughs> that's, that's really, you know, the mothers are the best health care providers anywhere. And if we can educate them, we can prevent a lot of the disease. So there are some who have done that. The other thing, though, is that a health care provider is needed in an area, and we don't do a CHA program. We try not to do a CHA program unless there's a clinic that's, th- that's there that we can refer to. Because when you start raising awareness about things, um, you just frustrate people if you leave them without help. So there, there are, there's a need for the clinic nearby, um, but that's not what we focus on. In fact, in our programs, we say we're training generalists, not specialists. Our educational system is designed to make us all specialists in something. Right? And in the urban context, if you were here for the last hour, in the urban context, the neighbor helping neighbor idea is gone. Uh, I come home, I drive into my garage, I go into my house, I go into my backyard, I don't look over the back fence, I don't even know the name of my neighbors. And when I have a need, I go to a professional. Because we've all been trained as specialists, right? 
So there's the landscaper if I need landscape, and there's the plumber if I need plumbing, and there's the doctor if I need doctoring. And I, you know, I'm self-sufficient. I take care of myself that way. But it, it's not it's not that way um, out there. And problems are integrated, and they are they are complex. And you have to work in a multi-sectoral way, you know, if you want to see transformation. So we say if you're a doctor, you got to be able to teach agriculture. If you're a pastor, you've got to do more than evangelism. You've got to do some health promotion. And that's why we put those materials in your hand. I don't know if that answered your question. Yeah. But. Actually, interestingly, yes. we'll be doing the same thing as healthcare providers here. Uh-huh. Because we fall into the same dependency. Oh, is that right? Yeah. There you go. Don't educate them. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's me. You know, I grew up in a system where I thought that health was live like you want to and go take a pill when you get sick. <laughs> really? Yeah. Um, so equipping the CHE team, uh, I just told you how to do that. You do the training. We, we equip in three phases, TOT1, TOT2, and TOT3. TOT1 is one week long. It's called Training of Trainers 1. It's one week long. You get an overview of the CHE program. You understand the principles and philosophy, and you learn tools for entering a community, tools for uh, organizing and mobilizing a community, helping them break down and analyze problems um, and identify resources. That's what we do in TOT1. So then when you begin to execute, then we're willing to invest again. So once you've entered the community before the committee is trained, then you need to come back for TOT2. And, and TOT2, we train you in how to train the committee in project management and how to train the chase um, going into the homes and how to monitor them and so forth. And then the last phase is evaluation and uh, um, leadership and training for multiplying what you have done in the communities where you begin. So we train in three phases. The first... Um, Step, though, that a CHE team takes. So you train some nationals. They are called a training team. They go into a community. What's the first thing they do there? Community awareness and organization. They work with the leaders in the community, raise awareness of need and opportunity, unite the community with a common vision for a better quality of life. And then the community elects representatives to serve on a development committee. Then the training team trains the committee, uh, and the committee chooses people from the community who will be trained as the health workers, as the CHAs, who go into the home. Uh, the CHAs, um, let's see, the CHAs train volunteers. The CHAs, when they go into the homes, they do two things. They teach physical and spiritual topics. And so they teach about clean water, help the family sanitize their drinking water, and they teach about the living water. And what do the health workers do when somebody comes to Christ? They move them into a small group. Who leads the small group? The health worker, the CHE. Who, who trains the CHE to disciple the small groups? The training team, the one that comes in from the outside. They're generally believers, all right? 
The community volunteers teach families both physical and spiritual topics. I've already said all of that. Okay. Um, and then the fifth step is capacity building and church planning. The CHE team continues to mentor and coach the committee, assisting them in a continual process of identifying needs, uh, problems, researching solutions, financing resources, finding resources, making plans, mobilizing volunteers, evaluating results. And self-help groups are formed for livelihood, economic and agricultural development, so on and so forth. Church and community work together for holistic development. And then the sixth step is multiplication. And there are a lot of ways that that happens. But we are not just about sustainability. If we do development in a community and that's where it stops, we've failed. Until that development can extend itself into other communities and we begin to see multiplication, we're not satisfied. And that's how we get in the Congo from 48 to 113 when we're not there and from 113 to 540 in the last, you know, how many years. So what is the Global Chain Network? Um, we are an association of people and organizations. Uh, we represent about 280 organizations in 93 countries, and we're loosely connected together, talking to each other, encouraging each other, um, sharing best practices, coordinating our efforts locally so that we're not reinventing the wheel and people aren't out there having to do this all alone. Uh, and that's basically the idea of the network. If you want to see some of how that's done, you can go to chainetwork.org. Um, our passion is complete obedience to everything Jesus commanded, including the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. We call this holistic or transformational ministry. It's actually more than 40,000 volunteers. Any questions? I actually finished with enough time for some questions. Can you imagine that? Yes. We have different approaches to a community. Uh, one approach is to go and work directly with the community. Another approach is church-initiated or church-based. Uh, and so we would, we would approach the church or churches in the community um, and ask them to be the initiators of the process in their own community. The trainers then would come from the church. Um, how many of you know about the purpose-driven movement? Warren, uh, uh, Rick Warren and Saddleback and so forth. The Purpose Driven Life was the first book, right? Purpose Driven Church. Um, and then the third phase of the Purpose Driven Movement is called Peace. The Peace Initiative, the, the guts of it is Che. What they're, what they're doing to implement peace around the world is Che. And they've started in Rwanda. And what they're doing in Rwanda, they're using the Purpose Driven Life to build a foundation with the churches. And then they're training for CHE on top of that. And the churches are initiating the program in the community. And they, they've seen in Rwanda they have 2,400 volunteers mobilized. Um, it's taken them two years to get there. But 
but what I'm told most recently is they're about ready to take it to scale. So they're going to go from one province to four provinces, I think, very soon. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yes. For medical service providers, would yes. TOT be relevant? If you're going to be a provider, uh, it might be relevant to you only in this sense. If you were willing to take the time to train somebody to work out of your clinic or your, um, your hospital to do this kind of work. Um, but I think the demand on medical service providers out in the field is enormous. Um, and to try to do both would be impossible. You could, I think, though, be a trainer who trained and set up a program and let it go on its own. Yeah. So how do you integrate if you don't, if you don't, if you're not a trainer yourself? Um, how do you integrate? Like, um, come, come by our booth. Uh, uh, Global Chain Network, but no, there uh, there are some materials that have been developed for that reason. A guy named Dr. Arnold Gorski um, has put together material called Health Education for Developing Countries. And the medical service providers have a manual with pictures that teach, that, that do health education. And, and the Chays in the community have picture books with the same pictures in it. And so what you're doing is integrating the systems so that the messages that are being delivered by the chase in the home are being reinforced in the clinic. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What's the training involved to be a trainer? Uh, three weeks. One week at a time. So the, the first week is TOT1. Uh, they're trained for a week in community organization and mobilization. Um, then they go and enter the community. They work with the community. When the community has uh, come to a place where they have a vision and they're willing to work together, they form a committee. At that point, you get TOT2, and you're trained. You're, you're trained then to uh, to equip the committee and the chase. And then the third phase of training is for evaluation, leadership, and multiplication. Yes. Me? No, the, tra- the person that you're training here. The, the, the trainers are usually supported by an organization. Yeah. In fact, many of the organizations that are representing the network, like the Evangelical Free Church of America and um, the Assemblies of God and the Southern Baptists, and you know, they, um, uh, they have trainers that are supported by churches or by missionaries or by something within their organization. Yeah. Yes. In your first example, I assume the pastor knew something about raising squash or something. She talked about them raising Yes. Yeah, he did. How does that part come in? Because if you go in and tell them they need clean water, but there's no money for them to do the next step, how can yeah. you get them into that financial part? Well, you just made an assumption. <laughs> and we don't make that assumption. We assume there are resources. That they are not victims of circumstance, no, and we help. Yeah. Yes, he did. He did. If 
most of the time, let me, let me give you an example. Some of you may have to leave, but let me give you an example out of Afghanistan. All right? Most of the time, the ideas come from the people themselves. Um, in Afghanistan, we went into a community. They, had, they, they were apricot growers. Their trees had been barren for six years. The problem was a gypsy moth. And our team sat with them, knew nothing about gypsy moths, <laughs> but asked them, uh, what, uh, what do you know? about gypsy moss. And they said, well, the gypsy moss lay their eggs in the dirt and the caterpillars crawl across the ground. They crawl up the trunk of the tree and they eat the leaves and that's our problem. And so the dialogue went on and the community then decided, well, one thing we could do is we could tie cotton cloths around the trunk of the trees and then when the caterpillars crawl up the trunk of the tree, we come out and smash them. See, there is ideas, there is knowledge in the community it's the organization process that brings it out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Any other? Yeah. In restricted assets countries, we don't train them to go in and hit people in the face with the four spiritual laws. <laughs> but what we what we do is storing and moral values. So. Um, we're introducing uh, biblical concepts and keeping a religious dialogue going uh, in the course of the program. But evangelism becomes something that's, uh, that's personal and done at the right time in the process. Um, many times in restricted access countries, we don't, we don't even have Christian trainers to begin with. So the first people you want to see come to Christ are the trainers. And you come in and develop a relationship with them. And over time, uh, you have this dialogue going. And it's a long process. But the key is integration from the beginning. And so we work that way. Can I expand on that? Yes. In um, Bangladesh, we use moral value lessons that were Uh Yeah, we actually, um, we call what we do in restricted access nations by a different name. And I'm not even going to say it here because I'm being recorded. Uh, but we have a whole set of curriculum that includes the moral values in the Bible storing and, and the other stuff that, that we use for uh, Muslim contexts. Yeah. All right. Thank you for your time. <laughs>